Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. I'm back from my trip, and man, am I glad to be back in the office. I was gone for like a week, and uh, I think this is the longest I've ever gone in years without working on something retro RGB related. So, you know, other than uploading a video that it was already shot and answering a couple of emails, I really didn't have any time to do any work on the website or any projects I'm working on, and it kind of bummed me out. So I'm very glad to be back. Uh, I really wish I could do this stuff full-time instead of the other thing that I do for a real job, but uh, glad to be back. A lot to talk about because I did miss a lot last week because I had to shoot the whole podcast, shoot and edit everything on Saturday, Um, so I missed a few days' worth of stuff. Uh, But I do have a a fun interview with my buddy Justin, a.k.a. the Goodwill Hunter, who I got to hang out with while I was out in the Atlanta area, and a bunch of other stuff to talk about. So let's jump right into the news. First, a few updates from Woozle and the projects that he's been working on. Um, He's got a newer 3D printed design for the SNES controller input port um, and basically the main cover for his Game Boy Advance mod. So um, using his mod, you'd remove the screen and then place this in its place, which has a SNES controller port and I believe the HDMI output port itself. So, um, you know, that way it kind of all fits into the one case. And also, he has uh, he's made some progress on the Game Gear HDMI mod, which, although that's uh, that's going to happen after he's finished with the Game Boy Advance one, um, it looks like he's worked through a lot of the bugs and is getting a fairly clean output signal. So it's very cool that we're going to get a direct digital-to-digital output uh, from the Game Gear as well. So I guess finally, after all these years, we'll, we'll now have many choices of playing these awesome old handheld games on big TVs. Next, someone has just built flamethrower gloves so that when you throw a punch, it shoots fire out of them, as well as a couple other cool things. So I just thought that was awesome and had to show that one because, I mean, who wouldn't want to throw Hadoukens in real life? (laughs) There's a new patch for Zelda Link's Awakening DX that they're calling Quality of Life Improvement Patch. And basically, it just allows you to skip through some of all of the excess text that's in that game. And I really like things like that, that don't really change too much about the game itself, but just kind of smooth over some of the bumps in the road. And I was wondering if you guys had any suggestions as to what the best overall or the best combination for Link's Awakening DX would be. Because I have never played DX, I've only played the original one, and I think I was a kid the last time I played it. So I'm really looking forward to getting back to it and playing it on real hardware and, you know, through the uh, one of the solutions to get it on a TV as well. But what do you guys suggest is the best one? Because when it comes to things like um, A Link to the Past, which is one of my favorite games of all time... It doesn't matter if you've never played it before or if you're a veteran. I would actually strongly insist that the version people play is QWERTYMOTO's DX. 
And also, it really goes back and forth. Do you play the orchestral audio version with the MSU audio first? Do you not? I would I would probably suggest that if no one had ever played it before, to play it with the original music first, and then if they ever wanted to replay it, to go with the orchestral. But either way, I would still suggest DX, just because of the tiny little things that kind of just makes it a little bit better. Um, and I was wondering what the best way of doing that with DX is. It mentions that it's compatible with Torres's VWF hack, but I'm not even really sure what that is either, to be honest with you. So is there like a definitive, like, this is how you have to play Link's Awakening DX? Uh, and if not, I guess I'll try and figure it out myself. But I was hoping you guys could let me know, and if you're interested in the patch, the link's in the description. Firebrand X has just updated his Framemeister profiles. He has some more 720p profiles uh, for different consoles in there, as well as different patches for deep color modes, um, because deep color noise reduction could really help with certain consoles, but isn't compatible with all TVs or switch boxes or something, so it's good to have. Um, and he also uh, has a warning about one of his uh, Dreamcast Toro profiles. He said if you're using that, um, it has... Uh, signal parameters that aren't compatible with other consoles so just remember to switch to a different profile before switching consoles i mean it won't hurt anything if you don't but it just would make it easier because that way you won't end up with a black screen or something like that but uh, thanks to firebrand x for all the work on these and it's my opinion that these profiles are really like the thing that makes the frame meister stand out because it's just no tweaking you just load his patches up and you have a perfect picture right there Firebrand X also updated all of his SCART head uh, pictures. So those were the, the cool stickers that people on the Shmups forum were working on that you could print out and stick over your SCART head so you could have an easy way to, um, to figure out which plug goes to which console. I haven't gotten around to printing these yet because I've, you know, I've been away and everything, but I'm really looking forward to it just because I think anybody that has a G-SCART switch or really any, any kind of SCART switch, it just makes life so much easier to have them, and they look cool. So um, available for free as always, and uh, thanks again to Firebrand X. The Netflix Castlevania TV show was so popular that Netflix actually renewed it for a second season and doubled the episodes. There's also a pretty cool interview with the guy who created it and really goes into why he chose that point in the timeline and some of the other details. So if you're interested in that, uh, definitely check out the link. Nintendo released a firmware update for the Switch that fixed an issue with the way the battery life was being displayed. And apparently it caused a bug in some people's. So you'd actually see the battery life jump pretty quickly in, in pretty large amounts. And they issued a way to fix it for whoever's having the problem, and it basically involves um, fully charging and completely discharging the battery like three or four times, which seems like a total pain in the ass. So, I don't know, it's not a huge fail, but definitely not a win on Nintendo's part. Uh, if your Switch is having the issue, uh, there's a link in the description to exactly what you need to do, and it looks really boring. I'm sure by now everybody's heard of the SNES Classic pre-order fail, but basically Walmart opened up pre-orders for the SNES Classic and uh, canceled them like two days later. I guess they had opened up pre-orders early by accident, and they weren't supposed to open up until the end of this month. Nintendo did get on their Facebook page to confirm that there will be pre-orders this month, at the end of the month, um, and that there will be plenty delivered to stores on launch day. 
I don't know what that means, but I'm sure I'm going to end up standing in line at the Nintendo store. It is only 10 minutes from my house, so it's not that big a deal, but hopefully there'll be enough for everybody this time, and hopefully it won't suck. Citrus 3000 PSI has just posted his TSOP adapter on OSH Park for anybody that wants to download it. And this is basically for people that want to try to make their own Star Fox 2 carts. And I believe, uh, I've never made one myself, so I could get this wrong, but you need to solder a chip that's a different size than, in a different pinout than the chip that's on the board. So a lot of people used to see like a ton of wires inside, really ugly mess of work. Uh, a lot of people have been making their own adapters, and Dan just posted his for everybody to download for free. So I'm pretty sure I described that correctly, and if you're interested and have the tools and the means to make your own, this board would certainly make it a little bit easier. Actually, a lot easier. Citrus 3000 P... It's <laughs> a long, tongue-twisting name. Dan. Dan, a.k.a. Citrus 3000 PSI... I'm just going to say Dan from now on so I don't have to do another million takes of fumbling over that. <laughs> anyway, uh, Dan has been working with Unseen, the creator of the GameCube video, uh, to make a board that has RGB and HDMI on the same board, which is really awesome because it makes installation so much easier. Uh, you could just install this one thing and probably mount it about the same place that you would mount the um, where the digital port is. Somebody recently just print, uh, posted a 3D printed case for it to hold it in place. I'm sure uh, you'd be able to do the same thing for this. And then you'd even have the options of running um, RGB and sync to the actual multi-out port, so it would work like a Super Nintendo, or having a separate output port for that. I'm still not really sure which is the best way to do it, um, and I'm not sure if there's any adverse effects of wiring it to the multi-out or not, but with this board, I can't wait to try it out and see. Um, you know, they're they're not the easiest installations. None of the GameCube videos are, but um, I love that there's more stuff like this coming out and more choices for people. So excellent work, and uh, hopefully we'll all be able to buy one relatively soon. Speaking of GC Video, Badass Consoles has actually sent out an email to people saying that he's going to start sending out invites for people to send their consoles in and have the internal installation done. I honestly don't know why he hasn't been doing this. I don't know if there was something holding him up. I don't know if it was a good reason or no reason at all. But I just thought that he was supposed to have been doing this since like February or March. So I haven't really spoken to him a lot lately. Uh, so I'm not really sure what's going on. Other than I know there's definitely still progress on the plug and play version. The GC Video X that he's calling it. Um, and according to that email, people should be sending their consoles in soon. Uh, I haven't really talked to him. I haven't gotten my console back yet. So I really honestly don't have anything more to report. Uh, and I, I'm sorry, but I've just been ignoring everybody's questions. I still get a couple of emails a week, Twitter messages, everything else, asking me to ask him about their console and status, which, I mean, I rarely get to talk to Michael. And when I do, it's going to be about nerd shit, not somebody else's order status. So no disrespect meant to you guys, but I'm just ignoring all those because there's nothing I could do anyway. So it's not like I'm holding out on you guys. Whatever I know, you know. So uh, hopefully he'll progress with that soon because it looks like there's a lot of other solutions that people are working on. Some are good, some are yet to be seen, but still, um, you know, he had the market cornered and just hasn't gotten it out yet so i really genuinely wish him the best and uh, if i have any other news i will certainly report on it and the last bit of gamecube video news comes from metal jesus rocks 
he actually got a hold of one of Zelda X Pro's plug-and-play uh, GameCube videos and did a review of it. Uh, but a few things kind of bugged me about that. Um, first of all, he never mentioned Unseen, the creator of it. And while all of these guys, while Dan and Michael and Joseph uh, are all, you know, it's a lot of work to make these things into a product. And it takes a lot of effort. All the people that are doing the uh, the FPGA solutions, you know, it's all hard work and people are all contributing. But none of this would happen if it wasn't for Unseen's design and the fact that he made it public for free for everybody to use, just open source. So I was really, really disappointed that Metal Jesus Rocks didn't even take the time to mention it or or even do a little bit of research into it because, you know, the guy's a really popular YouTuber and a lot of people really hang on his words. So to be able to do a review like this and not even mention the original creator or the fact that he gave it away for free to the community, uh, you know, kind of a a big screw up in my opinion. You know, that was a... a a huge thing that was overlooked. Also, um, you know, and this is speculation, and this might be a shitty thing to say, but I'm really unhappy that Joseph sent him that because he's in a place now where he's not going to be able to keep up with any of the demand. I mean, all of Metal Jesus' videos get like 100,000 views. If even 1% of that wants to buy one, he makes these by hand. He can't keep up with it. And it's still not 100% finished. While he tremendously improved the connector, um, which, you know, that floppy connector on the first prototype, you know, that could have caused some issues. If you wiggle it back and forth, you could actually short positive to negative and, you know, blow out the system and the adapter. I believe the new one is very solid. I don't think that's going to happen. But there's still a few things that... I would really like to see it ironed out before I call it a finished product. Um, and that's why I haven't done a video on it yet, because with my OCD, like I would either do a video talking about how it's still a prototype, or, you know, or I would rather wait till it's done so I could sing the praise that Joseph would have deserved. So I'm not, it's kind of a bonehead move letting somebody that popular do a review of it when you, you know, you're not completely done and you don't have enough stock to keep up, not even remotely close. So. Um, you know, sorry, I don't mean to be insulting, Joseph. I'm just, uh, I gotta be honest, and uh, I gotta do it publicly because I've already been getting a million messages from people about it. Hey, did you see this video? You know, how come you haven't done a video yet? Do you know anything about this? What do you think? And that's the truth. I think you're on the right track to making a great product. I think there's just a few other things. You gotta get it a little more secure in the case. Um, you know, you gotta find a way to isolate things a little bit better than using tape. But I mean, you're very close. You're very close. So, uh, you know, I, I wish all of you guys the best. I love that there's choices. I love that there's a million things you could do now with, uh, you know, all of the work, all of Unseen's amazingly hard work that he put into this. Uh, so I just, uh, yeah, it was a youthful mistake, I guess, my friend. So hopefully all of these solutions will be available soon, and it won't put one burden on one person. Everybody would be able to share in the sales and support. Um, you know, I wish everybody the best, and once uh, I can get prototypes that are more solid of all of them, I will do a full review, um, and I will absolutely make sure to get Unseen involved one way or another, even if I just have to do a written interview with him on a, on a forum or something, whatever. I gotta get his word out so we could all hear directly from the guy that created it. So, uh, yeah, sorry for this one, sorry for the long rant, and, uh, you know, no, no disrespect towards Metal Jesus Rocks or Joseph. But I'm always transparent with everybody on this podcast. I say what I feel, and I'm not always right, but 
That's just definitely how I feel about that one. All three bundles of the Jaguar controller overlays are now available from 711spiel.de. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, and there are three different collections, so you don't have to buy all of them if the game that you want isn't, you know, if you only basically need the ones out of one collection, so that'll save you money. I bought all three, and because I was in the U.S., uh, I couldn't just... But I couldn't just fill out the purchase form. I had to email them, and then they sent me an invoice, which is a little bit of a pain, but whatever. They were pretty expensive. I think after shipping, it was like 125 for all three collections. Uh, but if they're really high quality, it, it would be worth it to me. So as soon as they come in, I'll definitely do a review of it and, and really try to get a feel for how they work. And hopefully I'll be able to get the at least a prototype of the Jaguar ROM cart in soon so I could really try all of these on all the different games and see. Um, also, uh, a notice from the creators, this is the final collections for the Jaguar. So this is all they'll be making. Um, so it, if you were waiting to buy all three, you know, now's the time to pick them up. But they have Atari 5200 and Television and ColecoVision overlays coming as well. So if you're not in a rush and you want to save on shipping, maybe wait for those. Um, I figured I would just buy all the Jaguar ones now and then get those three collections whenever they come out together, probably in a few months or something. But it uh, looks pretty cool, and I'll do a, a review of it when they come in. Marcus has just posted an update to the CPS2 digital interface board that he's come out with. That's the HDMI outputting for the CPS2 arcade boards. And he said he's planning to publish the files for the version shown a few weeks ago um, pretty soon. He just needs to clean up a few things. Um, and I think he's adding an on-screen display, which is pretty awesome. And he'll also be making an updated PCB with a few changes. Um, and uh, I think uh, he's replacing a few parts with ones that are more available. So it looks pretty awesome. Uh, it looks like this thing's moving along. Um, I forgot where we were at. He sent me one, and I gave it to Jose to build for um, to try to test in one of the arcade tournaments. But I think we were having a problem with it. Uh, I kind of forgot where we were at with it, to be honest with you. But hopefully we'll be able to get a working version of this soon enough. Um, and I'd love to do a review of it and really see. And then more importantly, I would also love to meet up with a couple of professional uh, competitive gamers and have them really put it through their paces. You know, I'll use some of those BenQ zero lag monitors with this in 1080p and see how it looks. So, uh, yeah, exciting stuff, especially in the arcade world now. It's going to be pretty cool if we could eventually find a huge display with no lag. So I would love, like, the final match between two you know competitive gamers to be on a 70-inch zero-lag OLED TV through using this thing. You know, it doesn't exist yet, but we can only hope. All three versions of the new Game Boy EverDrives are now available. Much like some of his other products, they're now available in three tiers. The X7, the highest tier, has um, things like uh, supporting all the, uh, as many of the mappers as possible, real-time clock, um, instant loading, and I believe it even has save states. Uh, the X5 version is pretty much the same, but no, in, no save states, in-game menu, or real-time clock. And the X3 version is pretty much the same as the 5, but you're required to reboot into menu to save your game progress stored into SRAM. So that's kind of like um, the Mega EverDrive X3 or the version 2.5 of the EverDrive 64. 
So that one's kind of a pain if you play a lot of games with save games in them. Um, I have purchased the X7, and as soon as it comes in, I'm going to do a review. And of course, I'm going to take detailed pictures and send them to Renee to make sure and double check that they're all running at the correct voltage. 8-Bit Doe is releasing a Nintendo Switch arcade stick for $80, and it's available for pre-order now to be released on August 20th. Now, I believe this is the exact same Nest 30 arcade stick that's been out for almost two years, I believe. I don't think it was ever readily available in the U.S. I think you had to either import it or occasionally it would pop up on Amazon or eBay. But this was compatible with everything, Windows, Android, um, even Mac OS and the, you know all the Steam games. And from what I heard, the original firmware was a little bit buggy. Uh, you would have to resync if you switched between platforms like Windows and you know Android. And uh, my buddy James, I think, said when he was trying it with his main PC that he would have to resync every time he rebooted. So I'm not sure if that's something that got ironed out in firmware changes, but um, if nothing else, uh, for eighty dollars it might be good enough. You know, it allows allows use in all those different devices. Um, and I think what I'm going to try to do is to get one in and I'll test the nerd end of it, you know, the syncing, see if there's any uh, delay that I could figure out, you know, any kind of lag, and then work with one of the professional fighting gamers to see how it performs as an arcade stick itself. Because generally speaking, some of the competition level sticks are like 200 bucks and higher. So for $80, is it good enough? Is it junk like some of the other ones? Uh, a lot of people I know actually buy the junk ones because it's got a really nice shell, and then they gut it and put all their own stuff in it. So who knows? Um, I'll uh, see what I could do. If anybody's around the, the Brooklyn or Manhattan area that's already ordered one of these, um, maybe you could come down to the office and I'll bring some of the, the iFix guys and we'll, we'll do just a for fun Street Fighter tournament or something just to see how it performs. But uh, it's released on August 20th, so it wouldn't be till the end of the month before any of that anyway. So I'll keep you guys posted. Hyperkin just announced a SNES version of the Retron HD. So that's basically an HDMI and composite video outputting clone console. There's no price or availability yet, but they did show off a prototype and some pictures of it. And I'm really curious to see what they did. Is it another like system on a chip direct into an upscaler? Is it a software-based emulation solution? Either way, what's the lag like? So, you know, my expectations are obviously curbed because if it's another $40 toy, then there's certainly a use for it. I mean, that's, you know, but I would really like to get excited about something. And it's, you know, I, I guess when it comes to one thing, I get excited really easily. And when it comes to other stuff like uh, you know, clone consoles, I get discouraged really easily. So I guess I'll just reserve all of my expectations until I pop it open and actually do a full review of it. Um, hopefully I'll be able to get one in as soon as they're available. But I'm crossing my fingers and, you know, the SNES is my favorite console. So I hope there's some use for it for hardcore gamers. And, uh, you know, I'm sure casual gamers it'll be fine because many of Hyperkin's products are perfect for that. And I still, I still haven't had time... I really badly want to test and do a review of this. So actually, maybe I'll do that next week. Um, but I've heard very good things about this. So we'll see. Uh, but yep, uh, as soon as there's any more solid info, of course, I will let everybody know and do a review like the day it's released. This Friday, Limited Run Games will be selling Night Trap for the PS4. 
as well as the Blu-ray documentary that My Life in Gaming had just did, which I'm definitely buying because I'm a big fan of those guys and I loved the documentary. But unfortunately, there's no product information on the Blu-ray. So they have a page, at least at the time of shooting this, they have a page up for the PS4 version of the game, but not for the documentary. So I'm not sure if you're going to be forced to buy it in a bundle or if they just haven't had time to put the page up yet. They also, last week, released Wonder Boy A Dragon's Trap for the PS4, and I guess the rollout was a little bumpy. Um, They sold out in like a minute and a half, uh, even though apparently they made even more copies than the developer had originally asked for. And then I guess the cart that they use has an uh, not so much an error, but it really isn't built for things like, you know, a gazillion people logging in at once. So a lot of people thought they got an order put in, but it was actually canceled because they had oversold the limit. So, uh, you know, I have a lot of opinions about that, and I'm going to hold off on it because I think I don't think it would be fair to criticize them without having them here to defend themselves. Those guys are very approachable and, uh, you know, always willing to answer questions. So I'm not going to sit here and bitch about it because... I'd rather have them on. So I'm going to have them on as guests next week on the podcast, and uh, I'm going to absolutely ask every single question I have, uh, and hopefully it'll be a great interview and uh, you know we'll all look at them positively. But I just, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of things I've seen over the past year or so just kind of got on my nerves. So hopefully we can get the questions answered and, you know, everybody will be happy with what they say. And, uh, you know, hold off on the comments too for this one, just for a week because a lot of people seem to get really heated on either side of the debate on, you know, what's up with those guys. So there's just no point in commenting because we'll have our questions answered by the next podcast. So hold off on your hate mail just temporarily. And if you're interested in wonder boy, the dragon's trap play Asia is still selling it for pretty cheap. So I'm not really sure why, uh, why it was so popular on limited run games it probably came out wrong it was popular because it's a fucking awesome game (laughs) that team did a great job doing that and it just you know it it is something that people should buy and keep forever i just don't understand why it was uh why it was so obsessive to go through limited run because it's already available somewhere else i'm pretty sure it's the exact same version so was it just box art is it just because limited run makes their things into collectibles I don't really know, but um, I'm going to have all those questions answered soon. And if you just want to buy the game, the link to the PlayAsia versions in the description. Someone on the SMS Power forums just posted a homebrew game that he had created with his daughter. I guess he'd been working with his eight-year-old daughter, uh, and she came up with the concept, and uh, he did the sprite art and programming. And I just I thought that was really neat. Um, it's you know more of a kids' game. It's called fairy forest and you basically are a fairy that flies around and you know shoots like bats and stuff it's actually a pretty neat game um especially good you know considering it's homebrew and just somebody's personal project but i just really liked the story behind it and um, wanted to let everybody know and he released the rom and the source code for it so if anybody wants to mess with it it's all open um you can kind of just do whatever you want with it and speaking of homebrew Blizz just released his side-scrolling game Lemon Hunter, uh, playable inside a web window, and it's really cool. It kind of almost reminds me of Cave Story, but uh, you know, it's got its own little twists on it and stuff. Um, I'm wondering if this is portable to any of the consoles, because I'm sure half of the people watching this are probably going to just facepalm right now when I say it out loud, but I don't play any games on the computer. 
I know it's a mental thing, but I work and I make music on my computer. I don't play games on it. So, you know, I'm on a computer 10 hours a day, either doing my job job, website stuff, recording in Pro Tools, whatever. So when I play a game, I want to grab a controller, sit down on my couch, and be away from the computer. <laughs> so I know this is really dumb and people, you know, well, why don't you have a dedicated gaming computer? I know, it's a mental thing and it's my fault, but... Uh, I'd love to see stuff released on actual consoles. And yes, I do know how unbelievably hard that is. It's not like pushing a button and hitting save, but it's a very cool game. I recommend anybody that's into that stuff at least give it a try because, I mean, it's free, so why not? But hopefully, maybe someday we could see it on some kind of console. It looks like the Varus Nest project is nearing completion. The developer posted on NestDev that the SNES FPGA core is almost done, and while he has a few other things to iron out, now he's trying to look at the best way to release his work. He's looking for compensation, which I can't say to, I blame him, I mean that's a tremendous amount of work put into it, and he's just trying to figure out what to do. Does he try to release it as a product? Um, does he sell the source to somebody else? Does he start a Kickstarter or a Patreon to release that open source to the community? And it's really interesting because BU and Teples, two you know, very bigger named developers, are posting in there as well. And I'm kind of interested to see how this is all going to play out. Um, no matter what, I'll be supporting his work just because the SNES is my favorite system and I'm excited to find any way to play it. But if you guys are interested, the links are in the description and I'll keep anybody updated on the progress and what path they choose to get it released. Some pretty big news for Sega Master System fans. It looks like the developer Necronom5 has ported the FM sound chip over to the Mega EverDrive, which means anybody with a EverDrive, Mega EverDrive X7 or version 2 of the original ones could now use the, the latest beta version and play all of SMS games in FM sound, well, the games that support it. Um, there's a, a menu you open up, whether you select that you want to enable it or not, and the only issue that I ran into was that it doesn't work on the Genesis 3. Um, my old boss used to always joke, if you want to break something, give it to Bob. <laughs> but um, it worked fine on the Genesis 1, but I SMS modded my Genesis 3, and whenever I load it with the FM sound on, it crashes. But whereas if I load it with the FM sound off, <clears throat> it works fine like expected. But overall, I think this is awesome. As soon as I get my Japanese master system back that has a native FM sound, I'll do a side-by-side -side comparison. Zach still has mine, so no telling when I'll get that one back. But uh, for now, if anybody wants to hear it, here's just a very quick demo. And just keep in mind that the FM sound, for whatever reason, is a lot lower. So I'm just going to try to equalize the volumes. But here you go. Here's a quick demo. And uh, the links are below for anybody that wants to download it. All you have to do is just upgrade the firmware of your uh, Mega EverDrive with the latest one linked below.
That same developer, Necronom5, has also finished porting the Sunsoft B5 and Konami VR7 mappers over to the EverDrive, so you're able to download those files and add them manually, but hopefully Crix will integrate these into the next version of the firmware. So just a massive, huge thank you to him, him or her, Necronom5, for, uh, for just donating this to the community. Now people with EverDrives can experience some of these games that, you know, it's not quite the same without the audio the way they're supposed to be. So, you know, just a massive thanks to him and anybody with uh, an EverDrive N8 or the Mega EverDrive should upgrade uh, to these latest things and get the best out of all those games. There's now an English translation patch for Zelda Triforce of the Gods. So I had forgotten this game even existed until this patch popped up last week, and I'm kind of intrigued by this. So basically, a Chinese development company took Zelda 3, A Link to the Past, and ported it over to the NES, or I guess the Famicom. And, you know, overall, they did a decent job because, I mean, that's a big deal trying to get those graphics to work even at, you know, even slightly on NES. Um, this patch translates all of the text to English, so now you could actually play through if you wanted to. The only problem is I can't get it to work on real hardware. I get bad header errors or something. I can only get it to work on emulators. So if anybody has a fix for that, or if you want to just you know, email me a ROM that's already working on an EverDrive or even the um, the analog NT Mini. That would be awesome. We could have uh, add that to the Smoke Monster pack. But it's really intriguing. It just uh, you know, just to see a link to the past in 8-bit graphics. And obviously, it's not going to be as good. But the only real complaint I have is the music. I mean, I'll just I'll leave you with this. There's a new patch out for Popeye for the NES that allows you to play as Bluto. Now, Popeye was a game that's kind of like Donkey Kong, but with, you know, Popeye and Bluto and Olive. And the patch was made by Morgan Johansson, who is the same guy who did all those amazing Versus patches for the NES. And this allows you to use the Player 2 to play as Bluto. So it's kind of a neat thing. Um, you know, I messed around with it for a little while, uh, and it just, it's so cool, I didn't even know that you'd be able to do something like that. Um, and he said that the the controllers are always reversed, so if you're playing a two-player game, player one's Popeye and player two's Bluto, and if you're playing, you know, once that switches, player two's Popeye and player one's Bluto, so it's all automatic, you don't have to swap controllers or anything. But I just thought it was very cool, and anybody interested in his work, um, definitely consider donating, because he put out a bunch of awesome stuff, and I love his Duck Hunt versus patch. I'd prefer to play that over the original, just because it's harder, and of course, because you get to shoot the duck. The Nintendo World Championships are back, and the qualifying rounds start August 19th and 20th in New York and San Francisco. So this is pretty cool. I get qualifying right here, and it actually ends in October, uh, on October 7th, right here in New York City. So hopefully I'll be uh, be able to get in, and maybe if anybody from Nintendo is watching, I can get a press pass or something, because I'd love to cover the event and really see. Um, they had it, the original, of course, in 1990 with, um, you know, the famous Nintendo World Championships game, which the cartridge is just worth a gazillion dollars. And they uh, they had it again in 2015, 
Um, so now, hopefully, uh, you know, I could be at least a spectator on the side, and I'd love to see a bunch of people that I know compete in it. You know, I wonder if the original Thor Ackerland would come back to compete, and I certainly would love to see guys like Mike Matei or, or Carsey, some of the really cool Twitter guys that still play, you know, games of all years. So it's going to be pretty exciting, and hopefully I'll be able to get in to cover it, but um, I guess I'll let you guys know closer to the 19th if I'll be able to get in. Retro Gamer BB 2019, I think that's probably how you say it, uh, just uploaded a ton of videos showing Nokia N-Gage games. And to be honest, I've never even played one. I think I vaguely remember one of my friends buying one of those back in the day, and I think I saw him play it and just... I don't know why it didn't interest me at the time, but it looks like a bunch of cool games on it, and hopefully I'll be able to borrow one and check it out myself at one point, but I guess it's mostly just games ported from other consoles. Um, to be honest, I don't even know that much about it. I guess eventually I'll get my hands on it and do a page about it or something, but if anybody's interested on how those N-Gage games looked or played, definitely check out his channel, and obviously the link's down below. Another quick update to the Jaguar ROM cart. Saint had posted another video online that just showing how it's working and the basic layout of it. So uh, it's looking so far like it's moving along and it might be a real product sooner rather than later, I guess. So uh, I just got excited about this because obviously I bought those Jaguar overlays that I mentioned before. And uh, I think having the two together you know, would probably provide as good a Jaguar experience as possible. <laughs> Nintendo has just posted a preview of Metroid Samus Returns. And it's looking pretty cool. They compared the original to it, um, and I hope to get my hands on it on launch day. And of course, I think I'm going to have to compare it to an, uh, another Metroid 2 remake, AM2R. So maybe uh, I'll play that the night before and then play that the next day. But uh, either way, I'm excited because Metroid 2D Metroid games have always been my favorite, so I just uh, can't wait to give that one a shot. And on the same day that Metroid Samus Returns is released, they're also releasing a Samus Edition 3DS XL. So I, uh, you know, I'm really interested in that. I have the Zelda Edition 3DS XL, so it would be cool to have the Metroid Edition, you know, new 3DS XL. But I'm sure they're going to sell out immediately. Uh, there's no word on where to pre-order them. They just said it would be available the same day, September 15th. So I'm sure I'll end up in line at the Nintendo store for that one too. An Atari 2700 prototype was found at a thrift store in California, um, and I guess that was a prototype of the next edition Atari console from the 2600, and it actually looks a lot like the 5200, but I guess its main upgrade was wireless controllers, and according to the old myths of Atari, that project was canceled because... Um, the wireless controllers actually had a very far range, so far that if you lived in an apartment complex and your neighbor had an Atari uh, 2700, it would interfere with each other, so they scrapped it. Um, I guess that person founded it for $30 and sold it for 3000 so uh, I guess all the more reason to continue going to the thrift stores. Um, you know, Maybe you could flip it, maybe you just keep an amazing piece of history, but... You know, this is exactly what Justin and I talk about later on in the interview. And dude, that should have been you, Justin. It should have been you that found that prototype. Okay, now it's time for this month's Patreon giveaway. I know I said I was going to do it the first Wednesday of the month, but I was not here for that. I'm sorry. So it all, it didn't really fall into place. But uh, what I have here is absolutely amazing. It was donated by Firebrand X 
who wanted to who said he wanted to give back to the community which is ridiculous because all that dude ever does is donate shit to the community for free so we all owe that man a large hug but he has donated an AVS yep the retro USB FPGA based NES console in absolutely perfect condition as you could see um, and he's donated one of those just to support the Patreon uh, and everybody involved. So I, I can't even begin to thank him for everything, for the, his profiles to donating this to, you know, even the SCART labels he was making. But it's uh, complete in box. And, of course, it's been updated with the color palette that uh, includes his Firebrand X color palette. Uh, brand new in perfect condition. So uh, I am very, very excited to be able to give this away um, just to show everybody's support for the Patreon. And uh, I really, uh, honestly, without it, I couldn't get this far, and there's still a long way to go. So uh, thank you guys so much. So let's open up that wheel and try to figure out who's won. Okay, guys, just like last time, I have all of the names entered in. Uh, if you squint your eyes really close, you could actually read all of them. They're all in here. I uh, definitely didn't miss anybody. I Trust me, I went through and made sure that everything's in there. So here we go. Um, the August Patreon winner is... Mike Amon. All right, Mike, thanks so much, man. Uh, this awesome, awesome AVS is yours. Add it upside down. This awesome <laughs> AVS is yours. If for whatever reason you already have it or you don't want it, just let us know, and I will just go to the next person in line. Um, after really thinking about it, I, I really feel like the best way to do this is to just run the wheel again offline. I don't want to waste you know a couple of weeks on this, but... Um, you know, everybody, thank you so much for all of your donations. I really I can't appreciate it enough. And obviously, thank you so much to Firebrand X. Holy crap, what an amazing donation. So thanks again to everybody. And Mike, if I don't hear from you by the end of tomorrow, then I will just email you directly. Also, uh, I almost forgot, the Retro Roundtable podcast will be tomorrow, August 10th, Thursday night at 8 p.m., so it's uh, myself, it's Lord Voltar and his beautiful rubber girlfriend, uh, Renee from DB Electronics, and then Nick and Steve from HD Retrovision. So um, if you guys like the much nerdier end of things, please join us. Uh, it's live, but of course we leave it recorded. Um, and we, you know, we hope to see you guys there. I have personally gotten really distracted with the comments and the people in the chat in the past few months. So I think this time um, I'm going to just ignore those until the end, just so we can concentrate on, you know, the topics we're talking about and then go back to the crowd Q&A afterwards. So um, I guess we'll see how that works this time. Um, I think it'll be better overall, but who knows? If it's a big screw up, let us know and we'll go back to just yelling at people in the chat as well as talking to each other so uh so tomorrow night if you're watching this the day it's released 8 p.m thursday the 10th now on to the q a's thanks so much for everybody who was posting their opinions about what camera to use and you know the av sync issues although that was kind of funny because some people thought the webcam was more out of sync and others thought the camcorder but anyway um for anybody that was interested i did a separate video on how i shoot the podcast in a lot of these videos and um, I just, I figured that would be easier than trying to waste time here on the podcast. So it shows why I've been getting such weird results and why other people can just hit record and go. So if you guys 
were interested at all in that or had some more feedback, maybe check that out. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for everybody that's tried to help. I've really listened to all of your suggestions, and I'll be trying all of them as time, as time allows. Pete from M-Monkey actually emailed me in regards to those RGB monitors, the JVC ones, that needed RGB mods done to them, and he said he found a link that he'd used that worked really well in the past, so I definitely wanted to share that with everybody, because uh, I guess it's a lot easier to find some of these leftover monitors that don't already have RGB inputs, so to do um, a somewhat easy mod to it to allow for that you know, I, I want to keep all these running as long as possible. So if we have to mod a couple to get the best use out of them, it's fine with me. So thanks to Pete for sending those in, and the links are down below. And a question from Pablo Romero. He asked, regarding the open source scan converter, when you're using a 4K TV, is it better to use 5X 1080p or 3X on or 720p? Um, and what's better in terms of input lag, scan lines, and image quality? I haven't done extensive testing yet. That's coming very soon, I hope. Uh, but first of all, regarding input lag, that's still a huge debate on do different resolutions give different lag. And what I can say for sure is analog versus digital is sometimes different, and scaling versus not scaling is sometimes different. So if you go in the native resolution of your panel, then it might be a, a hair less than if you were going on a resolution that required upscaling. So like going in at 1080p versus going in at 480 or 720. As far as lag between 720 and 1080 on a 4K TV, I think it would be identical. Um, I haven't done extensive testing yet, but as far as scan lines and image quality, that's something I've been interested myself. I know that if you go 720p, the scan line should line up perfectly, and of course 4x 1080p, but I think 5x 1080p is my favorite way because it cuts off the normal just over scan range, at least on the older consoles like NES, SNES, and Genesis. For something like a PlayStation, um, I would want it, you know, uh, I'd want to see the full resolution of the screen, but I think it's really something that you just have to mess with and see for yourself. Um, but what's sharper is what I'm really interested in. Will um, 5x 1080p look sharper on a 4K TV than 3x 720p? I'm really curious that myself because uh, if you want perfect scan lines, I guess running at 720p is probably a better bet. Um, and if that's the case, will you lose any sharpness? Uh, so I'm not really... I'm not really sure how that's going to work. I'm 99% sure that it really just depends on the scaler of your TV. And that's really why I was hoping we could get 4K scalers somewhat soon. Or, dare I say, a 4K open source scan converter. That way you just wouldn't have to worry. You just set it to whatever resolution you prefer. So, um, But I guess that was a really long way of saying I don't know. But I'll find out very soon because I found a couple of cheap 4K TVs that work on all levels of the OSSC. So hopefully in a few weeks I'll have a good video for you guys on that. Whew, that was a long one. Uh, I think that might be the longest just straight up news podcast I've done since I started. Uh, but, you know, I was gone for three days, so this was all catch up from last week, I guess. But, wow, hope you guys are still with me, because I have an interview next with a good friend of mine, Justin, a.k.a. The Goodwill Hunter, um, I met him years ago through his wife. I actually started working at this place where I was the network administrator. I was young. I was like 
23 or something like that. Um, and I met a whole bunch of awesome people that I became friends with immediately. And one of them kept telling me about her boyfriend, Justin, in the Marines, who was never around. So we were all like, yeah, 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 Justin from the Marines, sure. And then he showed up one day, and he was fucking awesome. So <laughs> we kind of became friends immediately and stayed in touch. I eventually, um, when I needed help uh, at that awesome job I had where I got to travel all over the place... Uh, he was one of the first people I called because I knew he had uh, computer skills and he was certainly trustworthy. And then uh, that really led to us, well, we'll tell the story in the interview, but I've been wanting to have him on this podcast for over a year now, but it just, I wanted to do it in person. I didn't want to interview my friend over Skype, you know, it just wouldn't seem right. So the last time we tried, uh, it was a big fail and then... Uh, this time, I was absolutely exhausted from this trip. I just wanted to curl up and pass out. And instead, I said, screw it. And I drove two and a half hours to go do an interview with him. Uh, and then that's why I looked so tired and, you know, squinty-eyed and the whole thing. But I, I'm really glad I did it. I'm glad I finally got to, to, you know, interview Justin and get him on. And I hope that if anybody's into thrifting, you get at least a few tips out of this because... I've been following his lead and been able to find a bunch of really cool and random stuff as a result. So uh, all of the links to his channels are in the description. As always, um, you know, any criticism, um, any comments at all, just post down below and uh, I'd love to hear from you guys. Thanks to the Patreons, of course. Um, and I will see you guys next week. Hey guys, I'm here with my friend Justin, AKA the Goodwill Hunter. What's up, dude? Not much. Pleasure to have you. So uh, this is a long time coming because Justin was one of the people that helped me in uh, before the site was a website. Um, and the last time we tried to do it was right after the holidays. And I, I my brother came back from LA and we got absolutely wasted. He was fucked up. I, I called him. Can I swear on your channel? Yeah, of course. Okay. I couldn't even text. My eyes hurt. So I had to call him on the phone and be like, Justin, I can't, yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. You were... Uh... I had just gone, what, gone back to Connecticut, and I think we were supposed to Yeah, you were visiting up. family, we were going to do this video yeah. then. And I was like, dude, I hear you, I've been there, <laughs> if you can't leave the apartment, don't don't even try. So, yeah. whatever, I'll be up there in a couple of months. Yeah, so, there's a bunch of stuff I want to ask him about, but, so we're going to jump around a little bit, but I guess your YouTube channel, uh, you know, Goodwill Hunter is obviously a play on words. It is. You go to different thrift stores and Goodwills and find shit. Um, so, basically, what's that all about, pretty much? Well, it kind of falls back to when we... when Alright, so... Uh, when I got... Well, I've always been collecting. Uh, since Nintendo, you know, up until Super Nintendo, which is probably my favorite system, and then on to Dreamcast, uh, original Xbox. Love those. Um... After high school, I decided not to go to college. I went to the Marine Corps, and I spent uh, four years stationed uh, in Hawaii, of all places, I know, right? It's, Where are all the different places you were You were actually stationed for a while, though? Uh, I, I was in uh, Paris Island, South Carolina. I was in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Uh, I did uh, a little bit uh, for my... Your method of service when you join the, the, the military, you go to your follow-on school, which for me was in 29 Palms, a.k.a. 29 Stumps, California, which is literally outside of Palm Springs, about an hour, hour and a half, and it's just nothing out there. So, you know, you're an 18-year-old, what are you going to do? You're going to play video games. So, 
you know, I brought my TV, my PlayStation 2, and I just loved all that stuff. But when I got out, I got rid Didn't of it. Didn't you go to Iraq, too, at one point? I did, but that was... I got out in 2005, and then 2007 I got called back uh, because it's a standard eight-year contract that I signed. Four years active duty, and then after you get out, you have four years inactive duty. Bring the event if they need you, which they always say they never will. They'll reactivate you if you have less than a year left, or no, they won't activate you if you've just gotten out within a year, and they won't activate you if you have less than a year on your uh, your 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 term. And I happen to have a year in like three months, so. So you went back for a year. So I went back for a year. Uh, I got called back. I went to Iraq for about nine months, deployed, but it was a year, you know, three months. Did you bring games with you when you're out there? <clears throat> no, but I had them. <laughs> Funny thing is, Amazon will deliver games to uh, uh, what APO, is it? Addresses. APO addresses. Yeah. So I had my copy. I think of I think Grand Theft Auto Four had just come out, <laughs> and I was playing that. Man, that was awesome. But handhelds are like were, were the thing, and they kept me going. And then I got out, and I got back, and you know I had all my games, and I just wasn't playing them, and so I got rid of them all like a dumbass. I went to GameStop, and I think I bought like a a, a DS. You know, when it came out, I traded in like 30 games and a couple systems and got a DS. Yeah, we've all been there. And Hotel <laughs> Dusk. I got Hotel Dusk. It was like the one where you actually... It's a good game. You actually use the DS as a yeah, book. You have to, right, yeah. That so was it was pretty cool. cool. But then uh, I was sitting on my ass. Street Fighter Four had just dropped. And I was doing nothing but collecting unemployment, playing Street Fighter Four. <laughs> I had a good probably year left until he called me up and said... Hey, uh, my company—they have a job opening and they need someone to fill it. Uh, do you want to come in for a job interview and tomorrow? And I said, "All right." And fate kind of rolled the dice, and next thing you know, I'm end up working with this guy, and that company got bought by a UK-based company, so we moved to a different location. And for some reason, I just happened to go on this thing called Justin.tv. And, which is now Twitch. Which is yeah. now Twitch. And this guy was playing this continuous stream of something called Angry Video Game Nerd. And it was specifically the Top Gun episode. And I was like, this yeah. is fucking hilarious. So we worked at a company that made computers. And uh, the back room, the whole back area, was all like the, the repair and like for any kind of small amount of assembly. So, you know, it's... The music's playing, you could be loud, it doesn't matter, it's just, you know, your typical back room. And I remember going back to work on, I was designing an image for deploying computers, and it was driving me insane. And all of a sudden I hear, this is shitload of fuck! And I went, what the hell is that? And he's like, you gotta come fucking see this guy. And we sat there watching Angry Video Game Nerd episodes. I think. For, yeah, while we should have been working. I think we had that on rotation for months. Yeah. Like, we just didn't care, it would just... I put the laptop up, we had a speaker, we actually, Jeff, I think, ran a speaker yep. cable all the way down to a, you know, two and a quarter inch or three, three and a quarter, and a quarter inch yeah, so, uh, headphone jack, and I just plugged it in, it, we, we had surround sound, and it was just non-stop yeah. for the entire day. We watched every episode. And uh, that actually, so, in a, in a roundabout way, that sparked my interest to, hey, I love these games, I had these games, I should really still have these games, I need to go out and find them. And I was seeing people going to thrift stores, and I said, hey, there's one right down the street that me and Jeff would, like, always go to. And I found all kinds of great stuff. Like, 
the Hyperstone Heist on Sega Genesis. Uh, I mean, just people were just dumping this stuff. I mean, this was the this was actually after um, a lot of people had started collecting. So this, this was, was like, like what, the, eight years ago or something. This like was two thousand two thousand nine, two thousand ten. God, this was two thousand nine, two thousand ten that I actually started really collecting. I mean, that that was after a way. I mean, I should have been collecting back when I was collecting, but hey, um, a lot of the stuff that I found, a lot of stuff that's in this collection is stuff that I've either found at thrift stores, pawn shops, uh, Craigslist, offer up, uh, yard sales. Um, so that's why I decided to take the moniker as, well, Goodwill Hunter. Uh, it's not spelt like it's phonetically, it's actually G. Zero zero D W I L L H U N T three the number three R. That's how you actually spell the name. Yeah, great way to make sure that nobody ever knows how to. Yeah, in spell. hindsight, twenty twenty, it probably should have been something a lot easier. Well, yeah, catchy name though. But if you do find me, then you know you're in the right place, and you are probably going to be someone who will appreciate what I have and what I bring and what I do. Yeah, so that that actually was the inception of Retro RGB was uh, Justin got me into the Angry Video Game Nerd and then he started getting all these old consoles and that's when I got a controller adapter to be able yeah. to play um, Genesis and Super Nintendo controllers he, on the Wii. He kind of went off the deep end. He, I think, had, I think you had that little OCD bug that just said, Me? I'll take this one little system <laughs> and I'll just make this perfect. Yeah. Oh, but then I have this other system and I think, yeah. yeah the first retro RGB article was an email I had sent out to you guys because I was like, look, you could use this. And then I think this, uh, that lasted three months. Was that, to, was that to me and Scott? To, yeah, you and Scott yeah. and, uh, and Jeff, another guy we worked with. Yeah. Then it was the it was still on the website now the Gtron or G Tech controller adapter review, and that's when I started realizing what lag was because I'm like, why sometimes when I press the sword, Link doesn't swipe in time. Both the controller adapter and obviously a flat screen have lag, as well as the Virtual Console games a little bit. So you had all that shit up. And that's kind of what sparked me to go make the original retro cart, which was just a you know a Sony yeah. Wega TV with stuff plugged in with composite. And I thought I was done until all of a sudden I remembered like when I was a kid, I remember seeing RGB, but I remember looking into it at like 12 years old, and it was thousands of dollars to get into any of that stuff. And I was like, oh, you have to import cables from Japan or Europe. Yep. I never bothered. I'm like, I wonder, can you still do that? Can you still hook up consoles? And then. Yeah, it was a snowball. It was a effect. rabbit hole. Yeah, it, it just spiraled. Uh, next thing you know, he's sending me text messages about buying RGB <laughs> monitors off eBay, uh, which I'm glad that you did because the monitor that he's got the XM29 Plus. Which I remember that email. Two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, and I told him if. Uh, if he doesn't buy this monitor, I'm going to come down and beat the shit out of him, which is hilarious, because he's an ex-Marine. There's no way I could beat the shit out of him. And I told him <laughs> I didn't have the money, and he's like, I got you covered. Credit card. Yeah. You're going to buy it. So. But yeah, that, um, your goodwill hunting, uh, that pretty much got me all of the stuff that I needed to, to test parts yeah. on the website. So you, like, funded the first six months of, of that. Gave I me mean, all for cost. Yeah, so I mean. Th thank you again for that, by Yeah, the way. no worries. <laughs> uh, it's just, it. 
you know, when you find stuff out there and you know that you could, I'm not just a dirty reseller and not, I'm also a collector, but I also, uh, I like to give people fair prices. So when I do find something like a PlayStation 2 that's working fine, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll mod it and I'll sell it at a fraction of the cost that some of these other people are selling at, you know, uh, it, it's just... Well, I don't think you're a dirty reseller at all. I think one of the things your channel taught me was that when you're going around into these different thrift stores, Goodwills, whatever else, like, you find... It's less often now that you find really good deals on games because people realize you yeah. throw them on eBay mm -hmm. and overcharge. But for a while there, you were finding things that were trending on eBay that weren't even gaming. So you'll go in and get a copy of Metroid 2 for five bucks, but hey, here's some Panasonic cordless phones yeah. for a dollar that you were selling for like... Well, you would just put them up for what everybody else was selling them oh, for, yeah, totally. which was a big profit, and that's how you um, funded your own... Again, yeah, that's kind of what my channel uh, is and still is about, is about and teaching people if you're going to have this type of hobby, uh, this OCD, obsessive, compulsive everything you see in the background. Uh, there are other ways to generate money that you can use then to buy the stuff that you think is overpriced, like <laughs> Demon's Crest. Yeah. Um, stuff from cordless Panasonic phones to, uh, I just sold an A-Track player for over $120 to someone overseas. Stuff that people just pass and don't think about. I mean, a lot of the stuff, it's retro, it's collective, there's someone out there, just because you are into video games doesn't mean you see something and someone else isn't also into vintage computers. I have a couple right. of vintage computers off screen that you can't see, but uh, I mean, I even collect little tchotchke things like Godzilla, you know, little statues, all this stuff. It, it all comes back to you and it all is part in what I believe to be the circle of life. If you start singing the Lion King sing <laughs> No, but um, honestly, yeah, you really need to educate yourself, and I like to educate people that, that watch my channel when I go out thrifting, because you just never know. If I didn't know some, I mean, even board games, I just got into board games, you know, I didn't know board games were something that you could make money off of, but guess what? There are people out there that will spend $30, $40, $50 for a board game that you can buy for 2 $3. And the other side of that, too, is a lot of these things are you're picking up stuff where people might not be able to get locally. So exactly. while you're making a profit, that other person's next best choice might be 80 bucks. So everybody kind of wins. Yep. And if you have your own retro community, you are hooked up with the people that are around you or you know people on Facebook, uh, just using it for... not. I know the term is trade bait, but honestly, it's... I like to pay it forward. I know someone that lives in... Uh, Japan that doesn't have access to a lot of these cheap Wii games that I get from GameStop. So, Anthony, I don't know if you're watching this video, you're probably not, um, aka Soft Otaku. Just throwing that out there. But uh, he doesn't have access to cheap Wii games. He is a collector. He likes to have uh, North American, he also likes to have Japanese versions of games. So if I can, you know, in turn hook him up, he can in turn help me out with stuff that was only ever released in Japan, which yeah. is a real. It's plus. a good community to be a part of too. My buddy yeah. Jordan's in Japan right now, and uh, he's—I mean—he sent me stuff that I—it was like I absolutely needed to do guides and testing yeah. and stuff. And you know, I would have—I probably would have just bought it anyway because I really needed it. But he—he he saved me hundreds of dollars. Yeah. And same thing, I try to hook him up with stuff. But, 
But I mean, your um, your channel has kind of evolved a lot over the years, and I like where it's settled Ever. into <laughs> because it's like. Um, so a lot of people think pickup videos are just like they get frustrated, and they say, I've heard people say things like, well, "Why do I want to watch somebody just tell people what we bought?" But <laughs> the truth is, though, um, I don't think your average person that especially watches your videos watches just to see what you got. I think it's kind of just a community of people where it's like, it you is. know, you watch each other's videos, yep. and if you could trade stuff like, "Oh man, I've been looking for you know the Donkey Kong '64 CD soundtrack." You know, and you just got, you know, whatever, so let's trade. I'm probably never going to listen to it. Yeah, so that's a big thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, like, I watch your pickup videos yeah. so I could text you and be like, oh, put that aside for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I did with the Tian Lee um, Sega Genesis thing. The VCD. Yeah, the VCD Tian Lee Sega VCD Educational and Player. It's a mouthful. The other side of your channel that I thought was cool was when you started, uh, like, taking video inside of some of the thrift stores so you could show people from your perspective. And then you tell people what's kind of like trending on eBay that's yep. not game related. So yep. that helps fund your own channel. How do you figure out what stuff you should pick up to to flip? And I, you know, do you just Google stuff while you're in there? Or? Yeah, you know, honestly, I'll usually I go to I have my own little routes. If you're if you're really hardcore into this hobby or you're into thrift store flipping, you're going to have your routes. I have routes every other day. I go to one or two Goodwills, um, usually different Goodwills, and then I'll hit up certain Goodwills on the weekends where it's, you know... Anyways, it's a whole science to it. Yeah, different times you have to figure out because they do bring yeah, merchandise out. Yeah, do you know out. which days they put out merch? Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sundays they switch stickers, so they'll have the color of the week will change, so everything else will be 50% off, depending. I have been actively selling on eBay since 2007 um, and you'll find certain things that do trend and I've also found people will kind of tell me hey uh, like rotary phones rotary phones folks the ones where they used to have the dial and you used to have to do every single number one at a time thirty forty dollars if it's in good condition thirty forty dollars shipped you know where a lot of that stuff goes that I didn't even realize it until the new office uh, TV and movie sets yeah I had no idea. Yep. I walked in, uh, the, you know, the retro RGB office is also in a place where they shoot uh, TV shows and movies, mostly low budget, but sometimes like the side, I don't know what they're called. My little brother's a producer. He knows. It's like the side Pickers. shoots, the B, B shoots, oh, B okay. shots, whatever yeah. they are, but um, they'll set up, a, they'll build a set just to shoot stuff. And uh, I got to go to one of the prop places one time, and it's amazing. There's yeah. stuff like a TVs from the, you know, the oh, I 50s. Can and it reminds me of like a Pickers warehouse, yeah. like American Pickers. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's where a lot of the stuff ends up, too, is people are like, I need, you know, I need a, a yellowed rotary phone yeah. from the 70s, and I need it tomorrow, <laughs> so who like, can next day ship this to me? Where are you so. going to find this stuff? And it's like people like me that go out there and, and find this stuff and then get it into the hands of the people that actually want it. Mm. Um, yes, there is a demand for some of this stuff, uh, but also you get it to the right people. Um, with that yeah. 8-track player that I said I sold for over $100, it probably went to a collector, but it was in really awesome condition. I sold it for below what they were asking, and they're going to be happy, and they're going to then in turn uh, be a return customer. Maybe they'll follow me on eBay and check my store out more frequently, but again, They'll also inform me if they get it and it's not working, what didn't I check? And then I'll know in the future, hey, when I had to get that, I had to buy an, a blank 8-track. <laughs> All right, so I had to buy a blank 8-track. I had to hook 
it up to my iPhone through an adapter, play a song, have it recorded on the blank uh, I tr uh, a track, then play it through a speaker to make sure make it actually sure recorded. recorded. So I gotta ask, I know this has nothing to do with the, the interview or Red yeah. RGB, but when you say 8-track, do you mean like the 8-track cassettes from the 70s? Yes. Or do you mean like an 8-track like we no. used to let Metallica record no, the first album no. on? Oh. 8-track from the 70s. I, I, you know, I didn't even know that you could record onto those. Exactly. No, Me just... neither. But guess what? Now I know. I kept that 8-track I have over here somewhere. I have a blank one and I have one with Chevelle actually recorded on it because I love Chevelle and I saw him in concert a couple weeks ago. Shout out to Chevelle if you're watching this. I love you guys. <laughs> I couldn't stay for the whole thing because we got kicked out. But hey, this happens when you go to a show. So one of the things that you know, the points that you always make is that you have to continuously go all the time. You do. Consistency. And I, uh, you know, you, it's got to be a real hobby. You can't just off the cuff. You probably, it's easy to get frustrated if you only pop in every now and then because you won't find anything. But the, there's like a thrift junk store next to where the office is. So I literally get off the subway yep. and walk by this. And so many times, so many times, I'm like, oh, I've been there, you know, four times in the past month and I haven't found anything. It's just a waste of time. And I'll pop in anyway and I'll find something. That one yeah. time you don't go. And, and honestly, folks, it's it, it, it becomes that thing where you keep thinking, what if I didn't go? What if... I Lightning found a, struck. A flat screen, a 24-inch flat screen monitor for 10 bucks. Those two Sony. Yep. I mean, it's just. So I gotta ask, does anybody ever look at you weird? Like, here's that guy that's in here four times a week. Um, when I was up in Connecticut, they knew me on a first name basis. Uh, not so much living down south now, in Georgia. But yeah, it was kind of. Uh, Why they just ignore you because you're a northerner? Uh, <laughs> no, because they just you know, it, the they cycle out the people so much that. I honestly gotcha. only know one woman that works at the Goodwill down in Lawrenceville uh, by the courthouse. I believe her name is Beth. Beth, if you're watching, shout out to you. I love you, girl. <laughs> you're like my southern mama. I love you. But no one ever gives you shit for just coming in all the time and picking No, them no. Yeah. I mean, they, they notice me. Um, they'll maybe tell me. Like, I had a guy today when I picked up all his DS games. He said, these games probably wouldn't last on the shelf. And I looked over and I said, eh, maybe they won't, maybe they won't. They didn't. I took them immediately from that man. <laughs> there you go. But, you know, stuff like that. Um, people notice you, they get a, a rapport with the actual management. Maybe they'll let you know about, you know, deals or maybe they'll give you a deal. But, hey, stuff like that, consistency equals quality. Uh, it's more quantity over quality because you're going to miss out and strike out a lot more than you're going to strike gold but do you ever ever have anybody at the counter like look stuff up because that did happen to me once hmm. where somebody picked something up like i had just paid and the person like i see them swivel like oh my god that goes for 300 dollars on ebay like i have had if it works yeah if it works at all and it needs a power supply and it need, you know what i mean so i i've had i've had uh, uh one guy that worked at the goodwill that did know something about games because I had a Nintendo lanyard and he had a Sonic lanyard uh, and he said hey I like your lanyard and I like like I was hey I like your lanyard too and he's like I picked up some stuff and he's like oh wow this sells for like 30 bucks online did he like open up his jacket like I like your lanyard did <laughs> <laughs> you like some video games <laughs> no and you know what I've heard some horror stories of some of the places that I work or that I don't work I don't I, honestly I probably should work 
at a Goodwill so I can get the deals. There but I have heard from some people in the community around me that know people that work at Goodwills that I go to that they set aside games. They don't even make them out to the shelves, put them aside, and they get first dibs. Which sucks, but that's the game. I mean, you get horror stories sometimes. My buddy Matt, um, he, he said that he went into one place, and he put stuff in a box, and he's going to the front, and he goes to check out, and he realizes that stuff's missing. And he's looking around, and he realizes, like, the owner of the place. And it could have been that the guy was a hardcore hoarder. Like, you know, oh, I can't sell it, oh, I can't sell it. But he's, I think the owner walked by and was like, Dude, this guy's here again. He's probably making money off of this, you know. And yeah. Literally, like when he turned around to grab something off the shelf, like the owner like took it out of his bag and like put it in back because he just assumed, well, if this guy's here, he must know what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah. So, so he know? must be ripping me off. Yeah. Which I, I have had that. That'll happen more often on Offer Up, Craigslist, Let It Go. Yeah. Now, what um, are there any anything like that? Any web-based, app-based things that are even worth looking at, or is it all? Because Craigslist's gotten really Honestly, yeah, I want to say uh, Craigslist, I gave up with Craigslist years ago. I know they have now a photo, they can set it so it, you just see the photos. But honestly, it's so much spam as far as people trying to repair your PlayStation 4 HDMI or, you know mod your xbox 360 or or sell you a boat in a video game forum well there's I, all the time now like i'll just punch in you know keywords just to see if something's around me occasionally i'll get a good deal but i'll see like a sega genesis you know four copies of nfl football 94 which i actually love that game but it's still and for like oh, 300 i'm oh listening for God. 300 and it's like Off we up. have ebay like why? Why would I? Why would I even call you when I could buy I'm that on eBay you, for thirty? People are selling Nintendo, the original Nintendo Entertainment System, on offer up around me right now, with just controllers, uh, power adapter, and maybe a zapper if you're lucky for one hundred and twenty dollars. Now I was selling those back two years ago for about sixty dollars with games. People, if, if it had games, they probably would be asking over $200. But you can go to legitimate game stores and yeah. buy that for for much cheaper. For like, yeah. Uh, it's just, everyone is just thinking they have white gold and when all they have is a bunch of sports games and a system that doesn't even have a power cord. And they're like, $200. Didn't you see guy, some guy at a flea market that wanted uh, 50 bucks for Mario Brothers Duck Hunt? Yes. That really happened. Yes. I think you texted me right as uh, that was happening. <laughs> uh, Mario, if it's Mario, Zelda, don't even ask. It's going to be $30, $40, $50 plus. Hmm. But ask for another rare game that they don't even know anything about, and guess what? It's going to be 3 bucks. I think I, I, that happens to me all the time. I'll say, hey, how much for the Mario game? Oh, it's 40 Oh, how much uh, for this, I don't know, Sonic... Rush game on the Game Gear. Oh, this is only $3? Okay, I'll take that. Hmm. You know, I mean, it's not a valuable game, it's not a rare game, but it's... So and basically, when you go to something like OfferUp or Craigslist, just that would be more mainstream stuff. Don't try to look for a, a hidden gem, just, you know... It, well, again, now it boils down to consistency and repetition. Check daily, check nightly, check in the mornings, early. When you wake up, if you're a collector, you want to check in the mornings because you want to see what people posted. I just saw someone post on OfferUp um, yesterday morning for a Commodore 64 
monitor, Commodore 64, and the disk drive for $200. Well, that's a good deal. Which is a pretty good deal, all right? I don't need the Commodore 64. I don't need the disk drive, even though you sold me a monk-ass one, but we won't get into that. <laughs> uh, but I do need the monitor. It's 20 bucks. Yeah, I know, whatever. <laughs> um, I do need the monitor, and the guy knew what he had. He was asking $200. I offered him 100 bucks. He said no. Someone already offered me 100 bucks for the monitor, and I said, yeah, that's only really what I wanted, too. And then... You know, we kind of started going back and forth, and he was telling me that he might want to split it up. And then I saw, actually went on eBay. He actually had it listed on eBay. And I said, oh, you already have it listed on eBay. And then, you know, he was asking me, hey, I have these uh, Activision games. What do those go to? And I said, oh, it's probably to an Atari or an Intellivision. And he said, oh, cool, thanks for all the help. And then he was asking me about some more stuff. And he was really, you know, and he said, all right, well, if the guy doesn't want the monitor for 100 bucks, then you're next in line. So stuff like that. It's, it's good karma. You know, you're helping this guy out, you're educating him, and maybe he'll give you a good deal down the road. You don't know, but... So basically, for stuff like the online stuff, uh, you know, more mainstream prices, but just, you know, be be reasonable about it. And uh, obviously things, you know, I, don't, I know I don't have to say this to any, anybody watching, but, you know, you had somebody where you bought, you met somebody and they wouldn't come into the store to meet you, so it's very obviously yeah. a scam or yeah. getting robbed. Yeah. Touching your boogie parts. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to buy a TI-84 Plus calculator. The guy wanted, guy slash woman, I don't know at this point. $10, they retail on eBay for around $50, $60, so I was going to flip it because I had just flipped one for about $60. Um, and I met them in a public place at a Publix, a supermarket, and I was inside and I said, hey, meet me up at customer service. Uh, I'm just going to get some money from cash back and then I'll meet you up there. They didn't want to come in. I said, well, if you don't come in, then I can't do a deal. And they said, that's fine. I said, all right, so you don't want to come in and meet me at customer service in a public place? They said, no. I said, okay, go rob someone else. And then they immediately blocked me. I immediately blocked them and reported them, you know, like normal people should. Uh, and then about a week later, their account was gone. So don't know if that was a scam or, or what. If their account was gone after that, then it was most likely a scam. Mm -hmm. If they were still up and selling, then it was probably just a lazy person who yeah. thought you were being a dick and said whatever. You, but, you definitely have yeah. to think, folks. Always public place. If you can meet inside, that's always the best. Think about your safety, their safety. You just never know. Always, it's recommended. I think that they always recommend you go to a police station. I don't know about you, folks, but I never want to go to a police station. Well, there was actually a, a, a sign at the police station in the last town that I lived in craigslist meetup area so or, or internet meetup area or something <laughs> so that you know people that wanted to go i think somebody still got robbed there that's funny right wow but yeah so basically then for the internet stuff you're buying for yourself if you frequent the goodwills that's probably the better way to find stuff to flip <clears throat> um and then if you just start watching the videos of other people i you know i don't think it's even country wide right because you know you got you trade all over the world don't you uh, yeah, I trade, uh, Anthony and I trade, he's in Japan, I trade with people, uh, Washington State, Canada, uh, Canada, eh? uh, have I gone to Canada? I've sent people stuff to Canada, but I know shipping from Canada is horrendous. Shipping to Canada is pretty bad sometimes, too. It is, but when you can put it on the company dollar, it doesn't really matter, right? Oh, hey, shh. So <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's all about, hey, you know what's your situation do you live in an area that is very bad for collecting then you work with the community people in other areas probably have a treasure trove to, to pick from they maybe have surplus 
of stuff. I know Trevor, aka uh, Retro Rewinder, I doubt you're watching this. I was not able to get an NES Classic Edition. He found six, six of them, and he sold me one at cost. Good dude. Like, and they were going for two, three hundred dollars at the time. And it's a it's a subculture that um, I think is pretty awesome. Um, I because I you know spend every waking moment of free time either playing guitar or working on retro RGB. Luckily, I'm friends with this dude, so I just follow his videos and text him whenever I need something. Yeah. But, if you uh, see something in the pickups, he's always like, first, first, <laughs> first, can I have that? Can I, can I use that? Can I uh, do something to that? And, and, and in turn, I, I look for that stuff for him because I know it's content that he could be uh, putting on his website because God knows I can't do that and it's something that maybe he doesn't have or... Yeah, know, it's a massive it, you know, help. But, you know, it's a community and we all have to work together um, just so we can have you know, uh, so I gotta ask because and this is for a dick question, but um, so many people. Uh, no, you can't have this. my Spider-Man, Spider-Woman <laughs> VHS. Um, out of all these games that you collect, yes, do you actually play any of them? Uh, I do. Honestly, it, it boils down to handheld versus console uh, games. I, I just feel myself always. Uh, in the predicament of it's easier for me to play a handheld console, so that's why I love the Switch. Like Switch is like my, my favorite thing right now. Really? I don't I don't love all the games on it, but um, I did play uh, Dragon's Trap. Um, I played all through Cave Story. Did you beat Dragon's Trap? Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent of it, folks. Got when I got to the Mini Ninja part, they kept whooping my ass. Oh like, yeah, that? it did, yeah. and I stopped it for a little bit, and then I was like, huh, you can buy better weapons. They're suited. I didn't know, folks. Better weapons and stuff are suited for different of the animals. I, I keep trying to get Omar on. He's very busy. He yeah. said he didn't have time, but I'd love to interview him about that. The guy that did the, uh, did the, the remake of it. Yeah, his team oh, did it. So It was really great. I, I love, though. The only thing I did not like is if you were using the newer graphical style, some of the secrets you could not find unless you actually switched to the Sega Master System. I'm sure they did that on purpose. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of like a, if you wanted to get the secret and that's neither. I mean, the guy's one of the OG SMS power people. Of course, he's going to throw that in. <laughs> Why? You just can't see it. I mean, unless you play the, the original. So, you basically you play almost all the handheld stuff, but you you do end up collecting a lot of the, uh, I the console I do. Stuff. I mean, I do have an affinity for the Super Nintendo, so Chrono Trigger, I had to get complete in box, which I do have. Just missing this the registration card. It's the only thing I do not have. But yeah, it's an OCD it, right there. Yeah, I know, but it was a Square Enix it's game, so... It's almost as bad as buying, like, 40 Super Nintendos to test their RGB output. I know. Yeah, I, I had to have We're that crazy. Game. I know. Huh. Yeah. I just yeah. have very fond memories, and I've only ever beaten that game, like, on three, still, of, three of the I endings. I still have never that played it. it. Well, that's something you need to do. Yeah, I got yeah. a Chrono Trigger on the DS, you can have that. But you ended up with an awesome collection. I'll, I'll just, as we're talking, I'll splice in a video of everything. It's, uh, it's very cool. You, you've covered uh, all... All ages of video games. I think so. You have everything, you know, everything that you could ask for. What's your favorite handheld console, though? Like, your favorite of all time, if that's what you tend to play more of. Because Scott's oh, huge man. in handheld, because he spends most of his day on the subway going back from... He lives in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, which is like Mars, to get to Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, it's... The only person that lives farther away is Jose Cruz, the guy who does the RGB TV mods. <laughs> he lives all the way in Coney Island. Oh, wow. So. But, uh, oh, yeah. Crap. So Scott... 
Scott's favorite console is DS because he just always plays on the DS subway. was good. I'm not going to complain. It was a little bit choppy as far as the graphics. 3DS, I want to say, currently is probably one of my favorite. But I really have an affinity for the PSP. Really? Yeah, I really do. PSP Go, I really like as far as an emulator. It's awesome. Really? It's really small. You flip it out. You can, you know, you can put a bunch of ROMs and emulators on it, and it, hmm. it it's awesome. Um, I've I always take it to me uh, whenever I go on long trips as a backup. Currently, it's the Switch, but um, yeah, I want to say yeah, it's got probably going to be either the PSP or the 3DS, and I think you have my 3DS, so right now I oh, can't yeah, play I keep it. Oh yeah, forgetting so. Sorry, oops. I think mine's going to be the GBA SP 101 with the backlit screen. Yes. And I don't think it's the most comfortable one. It's but not. I just think it's because it's factory backlit. Like I'm not like I I take very good care of all my stuff. But if something were to happen on the road with that, like I wouldn't be heartbroken because I could just order another one. Yeah. Whereas like a custom backlit GBA and everything. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Here's my favorite handheld system of all time. The oh. Turbo Express, folks. I still haven't even played one of those. Runs on six AA batteries for Just about like 20 minutes. Just like the Game Gear. Yes. Yeah. I gotta play that oh. before I leave. So. Oh, yeah. There you go. But. All right, well, I mean, if anybody's interested in uh, the collecting stuff, definitely check out his channel. I'll, I'll link both the YouTube channel and the eBay store in the description. Um, it's still, you know, it's, it's not for everybody. I mean, my no. channel isn't for no, everybody either, so I, I totally understand that. Honestly, but. folks, I make more money ad revenue-wise on uploading old commercials <laughs> than I do on this channel. Actually, I'm losing money. He is losing money if he uploads this to his channel. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, If you're into it, check it out. If not, it's cool. It's understandable. Um, but I, I just I find it to be, like, an, an absolute necessity for getting stuff on the website. Yeah. I just... You know, I, I make, uh, ever since I moved to Manhattan, I, yeah, I'm probably lower middle class now, trying to just, <laughs> just make it, so I don't have extra money to buy stuff to test, and uh, occasionally Justin will find shit where I'll be like, oh my god, you have to send that to oh, me, yeah. so, yeah, thank you, and, uh, yeah, thanks guys for watching, I'll see you next week, and, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Cheers. Take care, guys. Adios.